in the prison. It's an odd uh, the prisoner podcast. Welcome to Imprisoned in Prison on uh, the Prisoner Prison Cast. I'm your host, number one. I'm not a name, I'm a numbla. You're the, this is also number one. 69, I'm number 69. I'm number 357. I mean, if you get to choose your number, come on, it's 69, right? It's like a nickname, you can't choose your number. Mm. And I don't want to be bothered in the village. I don't want to have to, because it seems like the higher up your number, the more mind games you have to deal with, where if you have a lower number, you can just like hang out on the boat and play captain. Well, the good thing is, is that nobody's going to be having to do anything in the village ever again, because it, it launched a rocket. It fell out. And it launched out. a rocket. It fell out and fall out. No one's okay. going to be there anymore. It seems anyway, it's intact, though. Couldn't they go back if they wanted yeah, to? Yeah, that was, that was a joke. It, it didn't make any sense. I was like, is it going to nuke itself? Is it going to blow up? Should no. they have shown the village at least like in a you know, 1960 time machine crappy effect burning thing? That would have been worthwhile. We'll get into it, but I feel like the uh, the ending itself is better than the execution of the ending. Okay. But anyway, well, uh, we're talking about Fallout, the last episode the final episode so far mm. of the prisoner oh well there was that 1990 episode okay with Jack until 1990 <laughs> i think actually there's there's actually a comic book that came out like a year ago that's supposedly can uh, canonical oh, there's one in 1988 which i've read and one and the one you're talking about was i think 2017 2019 sometimes i get my sevens and my nines confused um, mm-hmm. and it, uh, it's ready to read on my iPad. We, I, we might talk about those. I don't know, but not today. Today's fallout trivia me fallout trivia. At long last, we have learned the identity of number one. It is you, the listener. Anyway, that's all we have time for. If you'd like to catch us on other podcasts. All right. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, no, mm-hmm. Patrick McGowan returns to write and direct this time. He does so without a pseudonym, although Kenneth Griffith, as the president or magistrate had to improvise so much of his own dialogue that he's listed as an uncredited co-writer. In fact, it's rumored that most of everyone's dialogue in this episode is improvised. Even though McGowan put his name on the episode, he did have to go into hiding because so many confused fans of the series started hounding him at his home, demanding explanations. Unmutual! <laughs> I hope so. Or like, ah, unmutual! Ah, they're just screamed I in front of his house over and over. I, I, I. Uh, there was some dispute about whether McGowan knew he would have to come up with a series finale before he left the country to go film my station zebra or after filming the girl who was death. Regardless, this episode was written and filmed in about two weeks. This episode is the only prisoner episode to feature heavily feature recorded music. Most listeners will recognize the Beatles. All you need is love an extremely rare case of a Beatles song being licensed for use in TV or film. According to George Harrison's son, Donnie, oh, D-H-A-N-I, not, not the other Donnie. Yeah, I have the Donnie uh, Harrison ukulele. I know how it works. Okay, well, maybe the listener doesn't have that ukulele. He but signed anyway. it on the back. I mean, he didn't. It's a laser cut, but it's his name. According to Donnie, Patrick McGoon was supposed to direct the Beatles in a movie project similar to The Prisoner. 
the project fell through but McGowan was still able to convince them to let him use the song oh okay because i was actually um i was talking with with our listener and and friend scott about that and i was like well they recorded it for the bbc so maybe the bbc had like certain rights to it but i just assumed that the bbc could use anything they wanted yeah but (laughs) that's literally because the beatles played all you need is love like on their worldwide satellite broadcast for the bbc so i was like maybe that since it was commissioned they could like use it but i guess they just as Americans, we have no idea what it's like to have like nationalized television. Like, I mean, we the Beatles, have no idea yeah. what that's like. Well, I do. I have NHK, but <laughs> yeah, you do now. But I'm saying that we we didn't grow up with it. I yeah, true. PBS barely counts, and I'm sure you don't watch NHK. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sure you don't watch NHK as much as you would have when you were a kid. If What's you on Japanese? It. Yeah, but you also <laughs> have like the entire internet. Yeah. Also, anyway, you have to make eight podcasts. It, it, it also it probably didn't. It well in this case it helped that the Beatles had no management by that point. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I bet their management was like number one, and they just screamed and ran around and they couldn't find number ladder. one. And then and then what? What? Alan Klein finally showed up to be number one, and that didn't go out the, so well. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. Speaking you of know. number one. The only song featured more heavily than uh, All You Need Is Love is Dem Bones, also known as Dry Bones and Dem Dry Bones. It's a spiritual written by James Walton Johnson and his brother J. Rosamond Johnson in the 1920s and first recorded in 1928. Here it's performed by The Four Lads, a Canadian white singing quartet who were very successful in the 50s and 60s, although this recording was not released as a single. That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was very interesting <laughs> to find out that it was a bunch of white Canadians uh, for me personally. Anyway, our other principal actors in this episode are returning from previous episodes. Of course, we have Liam McKern back as number two, now former number two from Free For All and our penultimate episode, Once Upon a Time. Kenneth Griffiths is billed as the president, a.k.a. the magistrate. You'll remember him as number two, a.k.a. Professor Schnips from The Girl Who Was Death. And finally, Alexis Canner is number 48, who is the kid, a.k.a. number 8 from Living in Harmony, who also contributed some voice lines in a cameo in The Girl Who Was Death. And, of course, we have Angelo Muscat as the butler and Peter Swanwick as the supervisor rounding out the cast. As usual, none of these actors will appear on The Prisoner again. Right. Okay. So you were just reading the trivia fast in this case. I was. Okay. Because we were just talking about, like, Zoom compression, so... Sometimes I feel like I didn't do a good job on the trivia and I really read it really fast so it'll be over. Oh, so people won't notice what you actually said. I I just don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> You're just trivia. So you can do it like the micro machines. You can do it like the micro machines. Micro machines. Okay. Micro machines. I'll do the summary. Um, I watched the episode again, but I intentionally did not look at any reference this time while writing the summary. So it's all from memory. If there's a little okay. mistake, that's why. I, Good like, job. Yeah. You did better than I've ever done. I've never Having, done that. Here, all right. Having yelled at number two until he died during degree absolute, number six requests to be taken to see number one. The supervisor takes him on an elevator underground through a cavern of jukeboxes, all playing the Beatles, all you need is love, and into a large supervillain chamber. A judge explains that there is quite a bit of pomp and circumstance required as number six has practiced the purest form of rebellion and is no longer a number, 
but a man. He has shown poorer forms of rebellion through number 48, who used to be number eight, who just bops around singing dumb bones for a while, and number two, who is resuscitated to show the hypocrisy of rebellion after working for the man for so long. They are placed into a weird stasis after their presentation. The former six is invited to make a speech, but is drowned out by the eyes of the village committee, each one representing a very specific interest. The former six is told he must lead them or leave, but first he enters the inner sanctum where he finds a rocket and then a masked figure who turns out to be a gorilla who turns out to be a crazed Patrick McGowan. Six traps this weird guy with a one on his cloak into the rocket and initiates the launch sequence. The village evacuates. Six breaks two and 48 out of stasis. And along with the butler, for some reason, the four of them shoot their way out of the village and escape on two's mind game tractor trailer from the last episode and some of this one. Turns out they are only about 30 kilometers from London. Number 48 gets dropped off on the highway to hitchhike around. Number two rejoins the House of Lords. And Six gets back his London flat, along with a new butler and an automatic door, which seems a little ominous. But he does get to rip asphalt with Carr again, regardless of if he is still a prisoner or not. Okay, that's it. All right. Glaringly wrong. No, not at all. I mean, you, you missed a bunch of details of people yelling nonsense, but I don't think that those need to be. That's not the thing addressed. you put into your two-minute summary. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, you know what the problem with the speech was? What was the problem with it? I picked it up watching it the second time. He started every sentence with I, so they all started screaming I at him. I think if he had like said something different, maybe he, they wouldn't have started. They probably still would have. But I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, because he was like, I am here. I, and then they're like, I, I. I'm like, what if he says, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, you know? I guess well, then they would just scream, we, 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 and then they would sound like a bunch of little pigs. I think McGoohan himself is actually just saying really dry tax stuff or something, because there wasn't an actual speech, you know, written or anything, right? We don't yeah. really know what the guy was trying to say, which I, I guess is part of the point. <laughs> I want to th- believe that he was just like yelling passive-aggressive stuff about all the other people who worked on the show. <laughs> nobody can hear it passive uh, okay well it's passive aggressive if you can't hear it um, okay uh so how do you how do we go about this how do you read this episode what do you if you had if i had to explain if i demanded that you explain what you think is the objective reality here what's your read on it um you and I have not been to London, but we've heard a fair amount about London. Mm-hmm. What happens now if you try and shoot a scene at the House of Parliament? Do they uh, shoot you in the head? Maybe. I don't know, but that doesn't happen. You don't get to do that. Yeah. London has CCTV all over the place. The city of London itself. You know the difference between London and the city of London? No, I don't. city of London is a special district that has the financial stuff, Buckingham Palace, all that sort of stuff. Is it like um, how Washington, D.C. has like, there's sort of the government buildings and there's everything else? Yes, except like it's even more legally set apart. So 
the city of London in particular, I would say Patrick McGowan was maybe kind of saying this place is going to become the village. And it kind of did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if that was kind of what, I mean, there's so many ways you, you, like you said, how do we get this started? Um, of course, I wanted to bring up the, the, the Alex Cox theory that he's a rocket scientist. That's kind of a fun one. <laughs> he does know how to launch the rocket. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, um, he didn't this just is, press a button. He had to do several things to launch that rocket. <laughs> this is basically what I would call the total recall ending. Mm. Like I feel like probably what actually, if I had to guess that degree absolute worked and he's just like n lost his mind. <laughs> Maybe um, that's, this is the thing is that the number six, I feel like the number six that we've had since he woke up at the end of the last episode is a much more confident number six. And he doesn't do anything wrong here. Like there's been a bunch of times when he got kind of cocky and messed up during the series. He's he did he played all of his cards perfectly this episode, which is uncharacteristic. But now that's where again, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with the the theory. I'm just like I find it interesting because the first one or two times I watch his show, I was like, oh yeah, he's a spy, he's danger man, right? So the idea that he's something else I find fascinating. And once yeah. he's in this weird secret british space program setting he can play all the cards right because that is his proper setting well there's also like absolutely no talk of why he resigned in this episode like it's like nobody nobody cares it's sort of anymore. like a thing where yeah in your when you're uh well now they just want him to accept the job yeah it's like i think but regardless of what objective reality is i feel like what the show is about is that you can't escape your own success mm -hmm. it's just basically not only did patrick mcguin was so good at making spy shows that he kept had to keep making spy shows and the spy show like wouldn't let him let go of him basically that's sort of what this is but it's like you could also apply that to number six is number six is so good at being number six that he can't he couldn't quit being number six even he couldn't quit being a spy even like another like group of people got him and then they tried to make him <laughs> give him a job like you know what i mean it's like he could not i mean this does have him. the full james bond spy shootout especially 60s style right <laughs> yeah that that kind of confused me i was like who are the guys in the blue suits like what they're was the, that they're the people the, that uh um, the government they're the the cronies they're the henchmen. Cronies. They're henchmen. Were they? Were those the? But they were shooting like the 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 UN guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the jury. I don't. I mean, it was yeah. Everyone was. I mean, our our heroes. I guess are they heroes? I don't know. The people that we are <laughs> meant to follow in this episode are basically just shooting at everybody. So <laughs> it was like everyone was shooting at everyone. It was just that was. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I know it was supposed to be confusing, and it was great. You know, it was so it's like, better but... than the James Bond scene because James Bond, you know who he's shooting at, and everyone else is just shooting at him. Whereas this is more of a a a, a free for all. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a satire, but not maybe not supposed to be a satire. But that's the thing. It's it's great because it's ambiguous. Did you ever see um, the um, deleted scenes from Austin Powers? Maybe I don't. I don't remember the last time I watched deleted I, I, scenes from everything. <laughs> Okay, I Anything. see why they cut the stuff because it would have made the movie too long and plotting, but it's actually maybe the funniest thing in the movie. 
uh, every time Austin Powers kills a henchman, there's actually a deleted scene where it cuts to like the guy's wife getting a phone call, and it's like a tearful scene where she's receiving the news <laughs> of her husband's death. <laughs> and it ha- there's like four of these, and I'm like, that's the funniest <laughs> thing in the movie. I see why they cut it because that's not good for patients at all. But that's hysterical that every time Austin Powers kills a henchman, we have to see the the aftermath with the guy's family. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather see that than the entire fat bastard shtick. Or like, I think I feel like every character he played that wasn't like Austin Powers or Doctor Evil was like way too much of a comedy record scratch. And then, well, this was the first one, so that's all he played. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's not. Uh, I'm not here to I'm not here to shit on Mike Myers. Anyway, we'll do that in a few right. weeks on a different podcast. True. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I love the ending, but I'm like, not like, this isn't one of my very favorite episodes because the execution is like, it's great. And then it kind of like, kind of like does weird. I don't know. It it feels like it kind of collapses and then I'm kind of the opposite where I like the execution and I, I, I mean, I don't dislike the ending, but the ending is a little bit like vaporware, you know? Yeah, I I understand. I mean, I feel like that might be the the common like feeling on it is that people like the execution more than they like the actual ending itself. But it feels like it it kind of collapses under itself, and then you come away with like not a whole lot happened in this episode. Like there wasn't a whole lot. There was a big to do about number two coming back, and you know they did that clever thing where they put shaving cream all over him to explain <laughs> why he's shaved. It's like, slightly it was, yeah it, it, probably because he had a heart attack making the last episode and recover. <laughs> here's the here's the the, the punchline to that particular joke um when i brought up leo mckern's wiki page there's a picture from him in a movie in 1970 in which he looks exactly like he did in the earlier episodes so he oh. ended up looking like that again a year or two later <laughs> <sighs> damn it leo anyway anyway um, but but there was a that didn't really amount to any there wasn't really we didn't need to have a number two in this like i, I understand that it was like he was fun judge he was, was laughing number two he could have been the number two he never said it was he was great one. i mean he's great he was he really did a great job carrying so much of this episode oh his line deliveries when, were so pompous it was great yeah but when you know when number 48 basically starts to like break down is he starts like tricking him into saying a bunch of like hippie stuff <laughs> and he's just completely goes with it like it's that was to me some of the best stuff <laughs> right so and you know McGuin himself doesn't speak much in this episode maybe no, he's just like... sitting watching for most of it that's probably why that's why i don't feel like and and the number one thing just it's like number six gets to watch a circus yeah the number one thing just kind of didn't go anywhere and that's like fine i don't it, it didn't it's hard for me to get it's hard for me to get that analytical about it when they didn't give us very much and also we've already seen an, another Patrick McGowan at least once. So we know they more can than do once? clones and or you know they can grow I mean 48 is yeah. supposed to be dead, right? Well, you and I well, didn't he was number he 8 he just but... he just fell off of a railing which doesn't seem No, he was number but... 8 then that's a different. It's well, either no, no. a different guy or maybe he isn't a different guy. Well no, I yeah, I guess I I felt 
No, I, I noted that in my summary. What, what did I write? I wrote uh, as number eight who used to be number eight. So I guess I well, went with it. It is the same guy or a clone or something because they've cloned people before in the village. You want to know something even worse? What's that? There already was a number 48. People have maybe Dance the of the Dead. Change. The numbers change. There's a different guy. Sometime. Sometimes you're assigned <laughs> a new number. <laughs> he was he was a guy in Dance of the Dead. I didn't put Did in my die? trivia because. Did he Dance with I, the Dead by the end? I don't remember. If he's dead, the numbers up for grabs. I mean, do they retire? He was the nighttime supervisor. He was like one of the guys who, like, who number two, like, snuck up on, or number six snuck up on and took his lab coat or something. Well, he died two weeks ago, and that's why the number is up for grabs. So they gave it to the clone of number eight because someone else is number eight now. So, I mean, what if they, what if they were the same guy the whole time? I mean, see that that's the whole thing is me believing that this did all happen in number six's head explains everything because <laughs> well, that explains because, everything for anything. <laughs> but, but like there's a rocket from like the girl who was death. There's a, there's, he says why to a bunch of people, just like in the general, he's, he's got uh, the kid from living in harmony is there. The guy from, and the girl is dead. The rocket scientist, who is also number two, is there. The other number two is there. There's like a bunch of stuff that kind of comes back. There's Curtis is there. It's Curtis. He's number one. This is your fever dream. Well, Curtis I mean, it makes one, yeah. I mean, it Rover makes sense, but but this thing is um, yeah, Rover died because it was, was sad. sad. Yeah. What did I, <laughs> what did I write? I wrote um. And it played this, this weird like Brazilian music while he was dying. I was like, what's going on? Oh, Rover is just festering now. Okay. Oh, and then and then they're driving on the highway throwing toilet rolls out of the trailer. That was rude. Litter bugs. I mean, they're they're partying. They they got out. Yeah. Did they have wine on there? I guess the wine kills you though, so and then you have to be resurrected. So <laughs> nobody that was specifically not explained. They can't explain their methods. Right, right. Well, it involves shaving cream. So, um, yes, there, there is the the butler is number one theory because true power stays quiet. That makes sense. <laughs> and he he does when the t- it changes, he just suddenly joins six, and now he's going to be six's butler. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, there's <laughs> a bunch of interesting. I mean, there are a few little interesting touches, like when they're in London and number six is sort of talking to a to a cop like sort of at the back of the screen you can't really tell what he's specifically what he's saying or what he's oh, and doing he starts dancing or something and yeah then, and then well, they have then to run off playing yeah that was weird so i mean there's a lot of weird i mean that's where i guess the whole fever dream thing kind of bumps in so you can assume that could be his like contact that he's giving information to or something like that but through an interpretive dance he didn't do that any of the last like three or four times he's been to london yeah 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 he should have they should have had him be like a and I mean the cop, copper on the street, the Bobby cop, whatever it is, it shouldn't constable, constable probably. No, does, I think constable is a higher rank. I think maybe he's future constable. Okay, he's a future constable. Yeah, but anyway, probably doesn't know the entire dance code of the of British intelligence. Mm. <laughs> you can't just maybe. teach that to everybody. I mean, if everybody <laughs> knew it, it's not really I mean, spy stuff anymore. Imagine training the police. Mm. Anyway, uh, so I also thought it was very interesting that, that the ending, it doesn't say the prisoner, it just says prisoner. Right. 
and it doesn't credit because they're crediting the actors and then yeah he just i mean that that it's a little lame <laughs> yeah that music is super lame at the end it was like dur, 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 it's dur, like dur, when dur, 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 it's dur. like when prince decided to paint slave on his cheek which actually is cooler, but <laughs> <laughs> well, that was because his like he couldn't get out of his forty million dollar Warner Brothers contract or something like that. Yeah, they're like you because they wouldn't let him put out a year. Yeah, they were like, hey, you can't actually put out like a triple album this year and then a double album next year and then five more albums. You can now. It's all you know, streaming, right? So, but should you? Mm, yes. No. <laughs> no. Have okay. you have you tried have you tried listening to like the entire Prince Vault? Oh God, no! <laughs> it's too much. It's too no, much. I, There's a you could make like a probably at least two really good albums out of the Vault stuff, maybe three. But it's like he was pretty smart to, or somebody was pretty smart not to release just all of it. <laughs> well, that's what we do now. But uh, anyway, uh, back back to to Prisoner. I I guess it's the same sentiment. I don't mean. We will follow this up with a prisoner puzzle because I think we need to get a taste of Magoo and not acting. So, yeah, we need we need as much information as we can get. But I still feel like I feel like this is basically him making commentary on that he can't get away from his the thing he does successfully, which makes a lot of sense. And, and then he just stopped doing stuff after this for the most part. I think he was just really depressed, needed a break. <laughs> Because as we've said before, after a show, he doesn't, I mean, does stuff, but not like a whole lot, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, the biggest hit after this for him probably is Braveheart, right? Am I yep. missing something? <laughs> well, I will pull up while you're talking. Okay. That was, and look that, at it That's while what, you're talking. Well, I have to look at my notes and where I am. You have to talk. Oh, I kept, I kept calling the stasis chair the fart chair. Uh, that, had some, <laughs> that had some minority report to it, right? Where they put... Um, I mean, this was all like Philip K. Dick as hell. I don't, I don't know if the, if McGowan was like a fan of Philip K. Dick at this point, and like well, Philip K. Dick was definitely not. I don't think he'd written his like super hardcore trippy stuff yet. I mean, he written. I know he'd written the Man in the High Castle at this point, some good stuff. But I feel like there's some feel like 1972 date where uh phil k dick is like you know the heavens open to me and my mind shattered and now I you mean he got a brain tumor yeah and then yes. he started, started writing really trippy stuff or maybe he didn't get a maybe he didn't get a brain tumor maybe his brain tumor just like got big enough that it was causing don't, i don't know problems. i don't know but i feel like the 70s is where you know dick became the dick we all know <laughs> i mean the valise valis trilogy is sort of like the considered the when he really lost his mind that's uh, like 78 yeah yeah so. yeah so so this uh, my point is while this is contemporary to philip k dick it's not mm. the trippy edge that we associate with philip, philip, philip with him at this time i couldn't say his name a second time if you say it yeah times, it'll appear in your mirror yeah even do androids dream of electric sheep was published in 68 which is definitely too late yeah well about the same time but yeah so Hmm, okay. the point being this is a case where you don't have to be like oh they're just ripping off well, dick it's like no i mean i i mean <laughs> you know it just came about of the i mean it came about around the same time because a lot of the same you could like it's not always a coincidence when things are similar sometimes it's just their things are influenced 
by the same things going on in society. And you just say this is influenced by like the the drugs, hippie drugs thing. <laughs> no, you could really go. Yeah. You go really, about that far. You really get out there, man. Yeah, man. Them bones. <laughs> With that, them bones. Them, them hip cats singing them that, that old blues stuff, like them bones. That's what the Grateful Dead yeah. was jamming at Winterland. Well, I mean, <laughs> so Patrick McGowan did a few more films here. He was in a series called Rafferty, where he okay. was Dr. Rafferty, and it looks like it ran for one season. That was like mm. 10 years after this. Mm. Of course, he was in Scanners, and uh, what, like a bunch of, a few Columbos, and then there's The Simpsons and Treasure Planet. Yeah, so that's kind of my point. He, he still yeah. does stuff. It's not like he became a weird recluse or, like, re- or resigned. <laughs> yeah. He but played he, the Phantom's dad in The Phantom. Is that on our list of movies? No. Yes. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I think it's not bad enough to make the list. Um, speaking of our films it. and filth podcast, for anyone who has no clue what we're talking about, where we look at the best and the worst movies. The Mini Phantom, Blood. descendant of a line of African superheroes, travels to New York City. Mm. Uh, it's a five out of ten. Anyway, Billy oh, no, Zane. That's, that's way too good, Billy Zane. I did see that opening night in the theater. That said, I don't remember anything about it whatsoever. So, um, I saw <laughs> the shadow, but I did not see the phantom or the spirit. I saw. I did not see the spirit. Okay, that was several years later, though, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but you know, because uh, not, not phantom several, and the shadow. several years later. I was definitely down with, yeah, I want to see an old-timey superhero on the big screen, which apparently most people did not say because not many people went to see those movies. But <laughs> So Rafferty is military surgeon Rafferty, now a civilian, brings his rigid army ways to the more casual scene at City General. Often clashing with other staff, he's a mentor to carefree Daniel Gentry while oblivious to Nurse Vera's affection for him. It sounds like Garth Bringy's Dark Place. Actually, it sounds like Aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> well... Didn't do so well, but it's rated seven out of ten on IMDb. So oh, okay. can't be that bad. We'll have to watch and find out if it's more like Aftermath or um, Garth Marenghi. I mean, I'm hoping Garth Marenghi. I was just yeah, when you were reading me the description, I was thinking Aftermath. Do you know Aftermath? <laughs> I mean, we talked about it a little bit on some other podcast, and I no think, one else, I, and no one else knew what it was except for me. And people didn't believe me, and then we had to look it up. So it was I real. Heard of it. After I heard of it, but I didn't watch it. I didn't. Nobody watched it. That's why I was. I didn't watch that much Mash, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't. It Mash was a little bit. There's sort of a thing where when shows are a little bit before your time, they just feel dated enough to, or maybe it's just comedy. Have you seen much Mash at all? Have you seen a few? Yeah. You know, you know Hawkeye, right? Yeah. The Auda version, not the Southern version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. I mean, I'm just like pulling. I haven't ideas seen out of the my film. Butt. That's you'd like the film, I think. Um, Probably would. But I do feel like Alda's Hawkeye is kind of on similar ground as Number Six. He's hornier for sure, um, and he does not resign because he's like a doctor, and he's like, I have to save these lives, right? I mean, otherwise he'd probably love to resign. <laughs> he, he always felt kind of like the uh, was the guy from Catch Twenty Two. Oh, Catch Twenty Two um, guy. Yeah, the Catch-22 guy. That's Yosarian? That's... Was that yes, yes, that is right. Okay. Yosarian. Yeah, he always felt sort of like a Yosarian. But... I've read it twice, never watched the movie. I've never watched the movie either, but I love the book more the than best... I love MASH. Yeah, the best sure. the best books are, um, you know, unfilmable, right? 
or at least that there's not like yeah. a good film version of them. Yeah, they're unfilmable or, they're, or they would be very hard to film properly. <laughs> like, I think yeah. it's a weird thing where Watchmen, like the film version of Watchmen is almost impossibly like close to the to the book, but it still isn't there. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I, like, it's, it feels like I, it f doesn't fly close enough to the sun. I think I'm in the minority liking Boz Lerman's uh, Gatsby, but. I don't think I saw that. I just don't like Boz Lerman. Yeah, there, you have to cross the Boz Lerman bridge to watch that. I, I did start watching Elvis, and well, actually, it was Tom Hanks' weird performance that got me not watching too much of it, <laughs> more than the Lerman. <laughs> I think you want a Razzie for that. I was kind of like, maybe I'll buy into it, you know, but I was like, oh, no, mm -hmm. this really does suck. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I mean, I sort of considered it, but I don't really care about Elvis that much. Like I never I, have. I probably care more about Elvis. I mean, not that much, but um, I, I am a little more down with. Yeah, I'll do some Elvis. You know, I've yeah. been to Graceland. I, I mean, he was a room. great, he was a great performer, but I just don't like. I don't really understand like the fandom that much. He seemed like a really. I I don't think his story is all that interesting. I think he's just <laughs> like a good performer who's kind of a boring person. And then I got co-opted into movies and uh, Vegas stages. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is it's. If he wasn't, if he was an interesting person, he would have done more interesting things when he could do anything he wanted to. But he like, it's like, give me a peanut butter sandwich. Uh, I'm going to do again, gospel now. Like, I hope he talks like that. I mean, I guess that's where the Magoon story is more interesting. <laughs> Except that I, the point that I think we we're getting at is his career doesn't quite fizzle out, but goes on, goes into orbit at this point. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I mean, he yeah, he wasn't, he didn't like helm a series you know he didn't like direct i mean a bunch as, of other as, stuff. as far as living your life i mean he probably that sounds like he made some good decisions but uh as far as like looking at the career you know but again that's the point of the prisoner well, right You're, you look at number six's career it's probably impressive but he just wants out <laughs> but he also you know he was in like three spy shows right before this right i mean danger man almost like overlapped with this keep I in think mind that yeah david danger man secret agents the same show by the way <laughs> just to okay make sure we're clear yeah i mean but still that's long enough secret I mean, agents yeah. the american in title because americans couldn't okay. understand the phrase danger man well <laughs> that sounds like just somebody like cave your kids away from them. is that like jackass <laughs> um but yeah but this is like his burnout like this is basically his you know this is his smile if not his pet sounds like okay. it's the smile you know it's like he is sergeant completed, peppers completed smile if sergeant peppers had killed the beatles that, that would be the prisoner that's why it's like a really good metaphor for it because all you need is love doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in the context of this episode well sergeant peppers sort of did kill the beatles i mean they they went on to make more great albums but again their manager died shortly after uh you like know killed they, their desire to perform they, they live right they didn't well it was the first thing they did not performing live anymore right ah. so um you know it, i mean you know great music but yeah that's definitely the point where um i mean by everyone's watching or a lot of people just watch get back where it kind of seems like mccartney's like earnestly trying to keep the band together and no one else cares much <laughs> yeah i honestly prefer pre Sergeant Peppers to post Sergeant Peppers pretty much uniformly. Mm. But I mean, there, there is some good stuff after that, but I was more into their, uh, like, you know, from the hip stuff. Yeah. I'll probably take a reverse base on that, but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, most of you would, I mean, the beach boys, I feel like 
I prefer Beach Boys after Brian Wilson went insane to before. So oh, I late sixties, early seventies stuff. That's great, except for those couple tracks yeah. that are vomit inducing. <laughs> I mean, it's still, I still kind of, I feel like when they're actually when the Beach Boys were actually vomit inducing, it was more interesting than the Beatles were kind of like. Uh, my, my favorite Beatles track is "You Know My Name." Look up the number, so because it kind of does it all. <laughs> but um. I mean, a little tongue-in-cheek saying that's my favorite, but it kind of is in a way, you know? So, um, but, yeah. well, let's look at The Prisoner. Uh, did, did, do we have any particular, I mean, we'll do a little more of an overview, but uh, did did we have any horrible tracks to this or episodes? I, I feel like none of them are really stand out as being bad. Uh, do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling was weird. Uh, and it doesn't it was on the so line well. i don't think it was bad bad but it was like unnecessary you could you <laughs> like could they could have taken that out yeah well, no, they could have I mean, just taken that out it would have been bring, fun. bring up scott again whose whose notes were sent to us um he i because he watched fallout and i was like ah, oh, you should go watch this and he's like oh, i still need to watch living in harmony and i was like oh, you could probably you don't really have to like right now you can, that i mean that one's good but disposable yeah you don't have to watch most of the post George Mark scene ones, but but Living in Harmony and uh the girl who was death were at least fun. Where I yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Do not like, forsake me away, darling, when that was not very fun. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're gonna give that that is the lowest rated one when you when you went over the ratings, I believe. So um yeah. that, I feel like for me of of the I guess the first run production run, I guess I guess Chimes of Big Ben kind of does stick out as kind of the most blur one. I like, most of the things that episode are done better in other episodes. Yeah, I could uh I could co-sign that because I'm I'm of course looking at the episodes in the wrong order and <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. Could be the right order, you don't know. <laughs> do 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 the prisoner. Do 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 I don't know why I do this when I look things up. On a podcast, because well, you want to give like a musical interlude that makes sense. Dude, I am yeah. incredibly neurotic and can't stop talking or making noise. You can uh, just kind of okay. chill out for a while and you know listen to the music. <laughs> oh god, what's our stupid order? Okay, any order, right? I don't um, think the order matters. You're just telling me if anything looks like it didn't work so well for you. Man, you I might have liked that better than do i like that better than the general i don't know oh i definitely like the general better <laughs> yeah because that that middle i think uh maybe maybe hammer into anvil was my least favorite of the earlier ones oh no i like that one okay so no, no that's <laughs> was, cool uh, yeah 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 I, I maybe chimes a big ben one of the things that got me was just the ending barely made no no the when was there the call that just didn't make any sense? Was that the general? That was Dance of the Dead, I think. Oh, Dance. Oh, maybe that's my least. Was favorite. that you're talking about when there was like the fax machine that was just printing stuff out? Yeah, and, and that and we never figured out what that was supposed to mean, and I still don't know what that was supposed to mean. Yeah, I mean that's that was um that was kind of nonsensical, but there was a fun number two. I, maybe Chimes of Big Ben like doesn't work for me quite as well because um Happily Ever After is such a better episode. No, no, many happy after. Excuse me, oh, many, yeah. happy, <laughs> many returns. happy returns. Many yes, happy I would agree that many happy happy returns is definitely better than Chimes of Big Ben. If we're going talking about London episodes, yeah, 
I okay. think any happy return is probably the best out of the five episodes where he gets to London, goes to London. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, who's a prisoner? He gets, well, we, unless we go with London as its own prison. So we know that in many happy returns that Lon- that the village is somewhere like Morocco, and then in no, Fallout, we, the village but, is right next to London. But we right? did we did bring up the idea that that jet pilot could have just flown way out to sea and flown right back. Which apparently is what happened, unless it's a fever dream, mm. as you said. It's possible. I mean, <laughs> if, anything. You if, know. if if we take the ending as literal, that means that the jet pilot kind of took him for a roundabout, right? Took him for a ride. Yeah. Uh, we could. I mean, we could surmise that uh, many happy returns was the fever dream, and this was real. Like that's <laughs> definitely possible. We just this, because we weren't shown more the, fever dream though. <laughs> just because we weren't, yeah. This one where everyone's like, ah, just like screaming at things at each other. Yeah, I mean, this but, is the most psychedelic episode by far. I think. I think this is a little. Uh, that's a tough one because I think once upon a time, it's I think once also upon a time very was, trippy, but this one widescreens it where once upon a time mm-hmm. is kind of laser i mean it's basically well reactors right so we we have an ensemble cast of like 50 people all doing weird stuff so that <laughs> automatically makes it trippier right like yeah. i mean i think that once upon a time was more of like a laser focused trippiness right. but this is this is definitely it's more trippy partly because of the the amount of people we have and partly because there's more nonsensical stuff happening. There's more things that just don't mean like we know what why things happen in Once Upon a Time, except for maybe when number two dies. We don't entirely know why that happens. So in it your, doesn't really matter. In your fever dream version of this episode, what actually happens at the end of Once Upon a Time? Um, he basically falls catatonic and <laughs> they just strap him to a chair and he's just in a chair. Okay the whole time <laughs> that's basically he's in a coma or something is it a they're just that... gonna keep trying to maybe you know this is the thing is that it might be it's still ambiguous even if you look at it that way because it might be like they're still controlling things or it might be that he's just gone and they mm. can't get the information they need out of him in which case the grab absolute was still a failure yes Point being, degree it, absolute is not really a good method, and you pro- and, and the bosses were right about you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, I think it was definitely a mistake. <laughs> so, um, for all you out there, if you're thinking about doing degree absolute, don't do degree absolute. Yeah, don't talk to your doctor before doing degree absolute. Yes, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're taking antihistamines, <laughs> degree absolute is not for you. <laughs> Side effects may include death. <laughs> yes. R- ranting, going, what, what was it? Not ping. What did boop, bop, uh, bop, 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 bop. Forgetting inability to count to six. Side effects <laughs> may include dim bones. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, oh, man. Okay, we are an anti-degree absolute um, podcast. I think that's our stance. Yes, that's the name of the podcast now. That's the subtitle <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, no, it's, it's you know, it is ambiguous, though. Like, even if I say I interpret it like that, I I think it's great that it's ambiguous. I love that um, we don't really know what num- what or who number one is. We don't really know what the game is. 
Was it you saying he'd recently watched Eyes Wide Shut? Yes. I mean, the the whole thing putting him in the this chair and like we have to do all the ceremony. I mean, that kind of feels a little bit like the Illuminati party, right? In a yeah, way. Yeah, I I've heard I I don't know enough about like Masonic initiation um uh you know procedures, but I've heard that being referred to in terms of this episode. You would have to assume there's some overlap between like Masonic or Illuminati stuff and like espionage like that. Oh yeah, to, for sure. Yeah. You know sure. that it has to, I mean, it's all cold war. I mean, I guess Masonic stuff goes back before the cold war, but the cold war feels like <clears throat> that kind of thing would thrive like secret. Well, yeah, the whole, you know, I mean, Crowley was doing, uh, was doing sort of like spy stuff. He might, that might've been his main thing, you know, we, we're not, we're not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was just kind of a jackass who was messing with people, but I, I still, you never really know, right? <laughs> well, he's definitely doing, he was definitely at different points doing something for, you know, British intelligence. Mm -hmm. Maybe double crossing with German intelligence. That that could be true too, because maybe it was just, I mean, you know, a spy can play many sides and still just be a uh, a prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, who do you want for a spy? A liar. What's a yeah. liar going to do? That's sort of like, you know, you bang that that guy's girlfriend at the party. What's going to happen? She's going to uh, be, be your girlfriend forever. Yeah, and Maybe. and my my favorite is the supposed magical war that took place during World War II with uh, Hess. You've heard about that? Oh, oh yeah, I know a little about that. Where I think he's he a lot more about. Yeah, where Hess ends up taking a plane across the channel to try and talk to the Queen and ejects, and he's like wearing like a magical coat or something. <laughs> like a coat covered in like magical yeah. symbols and and then he instantly gets arrested and like inter supposedly interrogated by Crowley so <laughs> <laughs> he did not get to meet the queen <laughs> that is that is pretty interesting i mean yeah there's i mean there's like a magical i mean that's prisoner like, stuff right there isn't it dude jacks have a plane yeah. in scotland wearing a magical coat <laughs> yeah but i mean there's there's overlap between like crowley stuff and scientology and i definitely feel like there's overlap with scientology in this stuff like there's oh, yeah, yeah. some scientology this is going probably where he here. got the idea for scientology that, and <laughs> i mean dude, no. i don't remember when the founding of i don't know ionetics was i think it was the 50s <laughs> I, yeah i think it happened before this but still it's just like i think that this was probably when scientology was taken sort of seriously before the um crowley told um uh, Jack Parsons, like I don't trust that 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 Scientology fellow. You should probably stay away from him. And I mean, didn't Hubbard like steal a ton of money from Jack Parsons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Parsons blew himself up in the like, jet propulsion lab. Yeah, it's like there you go. That's the plot of the prisoner, basically. Exactly. These are episodes of the prisoner. <laughs> that's why that's why the show works so well. You know, truth is stranger yeah. than fiction, but the prisoner makes a run for it. <laughs> yeah, I I do wonder how much Patrick McGowan was like aware of any of the shit we just talked about. But yeah, still... it seems Markstein was. If McGowan wasn't, because <laughs> mm. Markstein seemed to know more of the kind of like you know spy stuff. The and then yeah, but what what you know uh. Get well, back. we have Ian Fleming definitely was in those circles, you know. There was a, yeah. He, was it was he one of the Brits sent to America to kind of rile things up? I think he might have been. I don't know. I think I do believe that he hung out with, with like Hubbard and Jack Parsons. I don't know about like 
anything and Hitler. as far as i don't know as any, any official libel. capacity it's libel uh, slander no, it's i don't slander. know it's who knows everyone libel. uh slible slible okay slible slible i convict you of slible <laughs> unmutual um <laughs> uh, someone had to anyway uh yeah i mean whatever i mean hitler tried a bunch of magical shit didn't he yeah <laughs> i've um Did, you know, I, I usually i usually end these episodes and get to what was the mind game in this episode but i guess this one this that's part of game. that's part of why i don't think this is one of the better the best it's good it's a really good episode i just don't think it's one of the best episodes because it's like there isn't a mind game it just is a thing that goes it just kind Weird. of proceeds in a linear fashion from the beginning to the end i don't know just the preponderance of weird psychedelia and james bond stuff endears me so because i mean we get a yeah. fair amount of james not this is the one we get the most james bond stuff and he's like this is what you want here it is <laughs> he's screaming that at you of course but like but when it's it also just psychedelic keeps, <laughs> it keeps screaming like evacuate evacuate and you just see like fast motion like vignettes of everyone leaving the village and it looks like the end of space balls basically like it seems like that part is a total just all those joke. helicopters yeah yeah like it's like the eight helicopters leaving at the same time i mean this is kind of and they could have just driven is... out of the village they didn't have cars i guess they didn't have cars they just had those little those golf carts but they have a it lot of helicopters fun. yeah it was fun but it wasn't interesting <laughs> that stuff you know what i mean okay it was, just... it was for me that's interesting uh, that's because the imagery okay. sticks in your head you know i think if there had have been some kind of game or some kind of trick at all it would have really uh like made this the best episode but it it kind of feels like it's just stuff happens and then some more stuff happens we, 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 we already talked about the duffer episodes if there were any which none of them are too bad but uh what what is your i think we already discussed your favorite and i said it's your funeral and I'm, i think i'm willing to stand by that uh I, yeah my favorite still once upon a time i i do love it's your funeral um and i love the girl who was death even though that's probably a controversial favorite <laughs> but, yeah and, yeah uh, schizoid man and many happier but turns not the general yeah. see i'd put the general i would put that on the on the good list <laughs> in general yeah general is okay i don't i don't think it was i think like general a b and c and checkmate were kind of like a little bit of the kind of weak links in that early run but they're it's still like it's fun. like prime simpsons run e even the ones that aren't quite as good still have like several things you know like the insane chessboard mm -hmm. stuff and checkmate uh you know a b and c has several pretty tripped out sequences at the end you know um, there's basically i don't know how to describe it but anytime something feels sort of like a checklist like that's sort of how this episode felt like it was we were going down and checking some boxes it's uh the the this is a dumb absolutely dumb comparison but it's the first thing that pops into my head but the expendables 2 where okay. most of that is just they the uh the characters in the the movie walk along a path and then stuff happens they're like oh what's that and it's chuck norris and then they're <laughs> like oh what's that and it's like uh <laughs> dolph lundgren or something i don't know it's just like basically the the action stars just kind of show up in order for let's, most of it let's let's pair this up against a few more finales um since because of our age i guess the obvious choices to go with would be you know the Seinfeld. tng 
Seinfeld. Oh. Was gonna, I was gonna. I was gonna say that second. I said TNG first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, TNG. Okay. And then I uh, think Lost, TNG... Battlestar. Those are the other ones. I, and then you can put in the Sopranos if you want. So those are the five that I. I guess I specifically would like to think about. Okay. Um, some of those I didn't watch, but are just I'm just aware of. <laughs> um, I never saw a Sopranos finale. I'm just aware of it. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I think Seinfeld is like a good way to wrap up the series, but it wasn't fun to watch. Okay. It's basically a they ended Sorry, the show with a clip show. Order. No, they ended it. No, it's fine. They ended it with yeah. a clip show, you know, basically. Basically. <laughs> so yeah. That's... It's, it's not, it's kind of fun that like, oh, these people were terrible all along, which they, that right. I think that aged better than, than it was at the time. Mm. Yeah. Probably. Cause people were like, what we've been watching assholes for seven years. No, <laughs> yeah because basically most of us have grown up i think when i saw that i was like 18 or something that was when it aired and yeah now i've grown up and i understand that people who are like the people in that show are terrible and i want them away from me so and i guess you can draw a path from that to like curb your enthusiasm which i haven't really seen yeah i don't think that's ended yet has it <laughs> no it got rid so it's back okay. yeah they, but but, they go, but i think my point David is now six thousand 66,000. <laughs> um, but the point I was trying to make with Seinfeld is that people our age, the thing is, everyone in high school is as terrible as everyone in Seinfeld. You know what <laughs> so I mean? Like you, when you grow up, yeah, when you grow up, some people become better people and some some don't. But, you know, the it's you can I, I never thought anything like, oh, those people are terrible when I was in high school because that's how everyone was. Okay. Um, um I, I guess TNG. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Were you gonna make more points about Seinfeld? I'm sorry. I was I was about to say TNG like you did. So Okay, TNG <laughs> like you did. Um yeah, that's kind of a gold standard to me because it's you get kind of a wrap up but also kind of a look into the Well they knew they were making that... they they were in a weird place where they you know I mean they wrote that in generations at the same time. The same people wrote both and confused themselves doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually much better than generations is. I like generations, I think more than most people too, but yes, I agree. Uh it's interesting as we're recording this, you know, they're they're not quite finished with season three of Picard, which I guess is trying to be like a true wrap up, right? That's apparently completely nuts, right? It's pretty good so far. There's still three episodes to go, so who knows okay. how they'll land in the end. That's that's why we're talking about this. How does the show land in the end? You know, does it stick the mm -hmm. landing? Which uh, the first two seasons of Picard certainly didn't. Discovery's a little spotty on that for sticking the track, you know? Um, I think ambiguous is a good way to end just about anything. And, like, we don't have, I guess, maybe TNG. TNG already did that. <laughs> TNG yeah. already did that. So now Picard kind of can't, you know? They can't. Yeah, they can't Nemesis flash forward to... <laughs> to the to the future of like when Picard is 150 years old and starting to lose his memory or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> me meanwhile, you know, um, you know, Nemesis was kind of like, oh, let's let's end things definitively by hiring a director who doesn't like Star Trek. <laughs> that was that was really bad ending. Yeah, that's... so that's why they're doing the one now. I think, uh, but I yeah, mean, I've, I've watched makes that several sad. times. I'm, I'm a diehard Trek. I've seen Nemesis like six <laughs> times, but yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it it makes me kind of sad that like TNG didn't get. This. I mean, I I kind of get well, why, but they, they had the really perfect get... ending, but then they kept going and going, and well, it's... 
now 25 I mean, years later, almost yeah. 30 years later, almost. <laughs> well, the original series, for one thing, the original series, like obviously was cut down in its prime, barely got any, any actual episodes. So they had a Star lot Trek six to was cover. Yeah, I agree. It was a better ending than generations. Okay. Uh, before we make this a Trek podcast, uh, did you watch any of those 2000s finales? Uh, I spat out Lost, Battlestar, and Soprano is the ones on my mind. No, but I, I'm aware of, at least I know what the Lost finale is, and I don't really entirely know what the Battlestar one is, but I probably wouldn't really understand if I did. Uh, Battlestar, for the most part, I think, at, when it came out, I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I, I think I was like, oh, Lost will age better. I think now it's, I, am I wrong saying that Battlestar has aged much better in Lost now? To me, the ending of Lost sounded awful, and I don't think that people would like that kind of thing better now than they did then. I think that... Lost, Lost like the Prisoner, is pretty de- dependent on its finale, whereas Battlestar, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, well, it's going to be a ripper in space battle, right? <laughs> well, this is the thing, is the Prisoner feels like this guy who who masterminded this whole thing that was already kind of based on him being burned out doing spy stuff. And it's really just about him just being trapped forever and maybe, or maybe not. And uh, the thing about lost is that all these people who were just, just absolutely like slobbered over for doing like what people loved so much, did all these threads that they couldn't like make, they couldn't pick up all the threads they kept laying down and it almost felt like that their commentary was like i just wish i was dead that's what the ending of lost sounds like is like i just want to go to sleep and die <laughs> like that's yeah. what it sounds like to me and that's to me is not very interesting at all yeah it, it's sputtered i really love lost and i i still like lost but they they sputtered their ending a little bit battlestar i basically have a rewrite for the last 30 minutes of their 3 hour finale like uh-huh. I would like things to play a little differently for the last 30 minutes. Otherwise I actually like that finale because the first two and a half hours, it just absolutely delivers. And then the end, uh-huh. I'm like, they make a couple weird choices and my choices actually would have been more hardcore. It's kind of like, I think they were like not willing to kill beloved characters, even though it was the last episode and they could have. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, the JJ Abrams series I did watch all of was Fringe. You've have you seen all of that? I've seen all of Fringe, and I kind of forgotten the finale. So I guess it wasn't See, that great. It it was it wasn't that it wasn't bad, <laughs> but the problem was that the series had become so bad before the finale happened. Because See, all, all I remember is oh they went into the future, and that's well, I don't remember what, what happens after that. They kept thinking they were going to get canceled. So like the 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 end that they wrote for the third season was already bad, which is that the, the one guy, I can't remember his name, Walter David or something. No, was his name? David Jackson. Joshua Jackson gets inside the, the, the machine and he just disappears. And then you see the overseer guys and they're like, he was never really here at all. (laughs) No, it was just like that. That's like, kind of fun i guess you'd be like just end it with like he's just like i um okay let's yeah let's talk about things that i actually have seen and give a shit about uh more well, that's what i was trying to do okay, okay. you yeah, know those, those are mine yeah I, I saw that when i was four years old and was probably just like he's it's Mork. yay it, it was upsetting to me as a kid because they're like just trapped in time with like that maniac chasing them and that's just it Alf? And it was kind of awesome. No, no, it was that guy. It was the guy with glasses. No, no, I'm giving you another disturbing series oh. ending. 
out. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it, when that came out, I was like, this is, wow, this is nuts. Because <laughs> what is it, Al finally they... gets abducted by the military, and that's the end? Yeah, what a great ending. <laughs> what a great ending that was. I mean, the movie that they made to tie it up was still fun. I don't think that was like a bad, that wasn't like, that wasn't as interesting, but it was still fine. Um, yeah, don't tie that Mindy, knot. <laughs> but still, the Mork and Mindy ending is like ambiguous and sad and kind of like gut wrenching. And it's kind of a lot of that series was kind of sad and upsetting. And that's kind of was kind of great. Because... I mean, this this end with Fallout's basically just like cyclical, right? Like, I suppose so. Or back to him, like that. peeling ass on asphalt with Thundercrack, and that's how, it's how the series starts. Do you think that it's possible that Magoo just thought maybe somebody would just be like, actually, do have a go at a second season? Um, you think he thought not, that? It's probably worth keeping that in your back pocket, sure. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it works either, or you could just watch the season, watch the one season over and over again. Yeah. Um, okay, Quantum any, Leap. Oh, yeah, Dr. Samuel Beckett never returned home misspelled yeah um again i still again that was that ending was nonsense but it was still it's an ending like, it's a choice it's an it ending and out. it's like it makes you think like oh man it kind of like hits you in the gut it hits you in the gut in so much of a better way than just everyone's dead or in hell or in heaven or whatever the hell the lost was Here, here's the thing i don't think i've ever seen the quantum leap finale but i know the ending yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's well, so, that's how it is you. for Lost because I didn't. I only lasted like three episodes and I got bored. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, that was really for me. I would tell you, oh, you got to get to the Dharma Initiative, but you just got the better version of the Dharma Initiative by watching The Prisoner. So I guess you really don't I, need to watch Lost. Now. <laughs> my my friend John, who you met in the in the arena of game shows, definitely he's been watching The Prisoner along with us, and I'm sure he's listening to this. Hi, uh, he was talking about how now he's like completely like convinced that lost stole everything from the prisoner and is in fact not good i'm like well probably sure as yes. a big lost fan of days past who has, i have the whole show on disc and eh, he's probably right well i definitely have those feelings about jj abrams in general because after watching his like into darkness and rise of skywalker stuff that he did i mean i guess that's the thing this episode in this series still feels I mean, it's got anachronisms, but it still feels pretty forward thinking. It doesn't overreach. That's the problem with the J.J. Abrams stuff is that it is constantly just overreaching and overdramatizing. And I this think is... I would actually, um, I, I, you know, J.J. is responsible for war crimes having directed The Rise of Skywalker. But I feel like Damon Lindoff, the, the, the real showrunner for Lost, is probably mm -hmm. more the overreach guy. Well, yeah. Didn't he write um, Into Darkness, I think? And, um, he, right, Prometheus, an, a right, movie Prometheus, which is puzzle boxes. Speaking of overreach, let's do this stupid idiot movie about the origin of all life. It's yeah, I mean, oh, whatever. Movie. I enjoyed it, I didn't hate it. It's a Christmas movie, it's dumb. Yes, it is a Christmas <laughs> movie, definitely. The, the Nakatomi building was, uh, it's a really good looking Christmas movie. I will give her, I think yeah. I said that when I did a podcast about Prometheus, it is one of the best looking sci fi's ever. Best ship, one, one of the best ships. Looks so good, but yeah, you there's dumb things in that movie. It's much better than um, Alien Covenant. Okay, yeah, in every way. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Oh, it's got vision, <laughs> right? <laughs> it has vision. It's just it's, it's that's where I've maybe Dave and Lindoff vision is a little bit foggy. 
yeah it's well it's the vision is the problem it's not like like if it if they just tried to keep it a smaller scale it's just like you can't do things like oh it's the origin of all life and then have it just stupid things happen in your film they could just yeah. be if you start small like yeah. one of the characters says in the film but it doesn't start small it just goes for huge stuff anyway i have finished i guess with the finales i really wanted to put out there um were there any others you wanted to bring into contention mm. well uh we got morgan okay, Mindy, i didn't Alf, see the quantum leap tng we didn't talk sopranos. about sopranos okay i mean i, I it, like the idea of the sopranos ending i haven't really watched that's, the show that's exactly me <laughs> i like the idea oh. but i had never watched it so um lost i wouldn't star. have been mad i wouldn't have been mad at it um I mean, there is uh, like along Fallout, the lines of the Sopranos. Uh, Oz had a very good finale in season four, and then they kept going and did two more seasons, which weren't quite as good. But yeah, there's a few other shows that have had that happen. I think Supernatural. I mean, I don't know if Supernatural is ever good, but uh, maybe it mm -hmm. was. I'm saying that I don't know. I've never watched it, but I know it went on several seasons past where it was supposed to. <laughs> well, so after I watched Fringe, I vowed to just never hate watch anything ever, ever yeah. again. Just. I think Babylon that, Five had a surprise season after they thought they'd finished their arc. But I know, Breaking again, Bad, I watched it. You haven't seen Breaking Bad yet. The <laughs> ending of Breaking Bad. Right <laughs> uh, the ending of Breaking Bad. Actually, this the ending of The Prisoner does kind of remind me of that because it does turn into that show does turn into like kind of a parody of itself, but in like a really fun and like insane way. <laughs> Specifically, in the last season. But in the last episode, it really does turn into like a okay. bunch of like drug people shooting each other. Which I you did do, watch the first the season, but that was like five years ago. Yeah, from so. from watching the beginning of the show, even though it does get crazy right away, you would not believe where it goes by the end. You would absolutely not. Because now that so, now I I have also got to do Better Call Saul, which that recently had its finale. Yeah. Which how was that received? Yes, that was, I think, uniformly considered to be a better finale. And I agree with that, but it's okay. not as fun. It's just like imagine something that's like so crazy and violent that it's like polarizing and people. That's kind of living in harmony, I guess, in sixty terms. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> I suppose so. But yeah, um, the, uh, the ending of Breaking Bad was more like Fallout, and the ending of Better Call Saul is more like a classy and good ending. But you also have to remember that the ending of Better Call Saul is working against the expectations of Breaking Bad, and they're not. It's the same people making the show, and they don't want to do the same thing twice. Saying elsewhere, you know that ending, even though you maybe never watched it, which I haven't. Was that like everyone turned to, uh, turned out they were sands in the hourglass? Of uh, no, yeah, uh, close. A, a pen no, metal they, patient. No, the, no they uh, the hospitals in a um in like a snow globe, and then it's yeah. all an autistic boys, um, yeah, like thoughts or whatever. Yeah. New heart. Uh, you know what? Maybe new oh, heart. No, the best you know what? Ever. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> or a uh, spoiler for a 30 year old sitcom that he wakes up in bed with his former sitcom wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's that's yeah. That's so well executed because the second New Heart series depends so much on like insanity and dream logic. It would yeah. it would be like if this series ended up with Danger Man waking up and being like, I had a crazy dream. It would it would at least make sense. Especially you know? if he's in Susan Plachette. Yeah. Who, <laughs> was, who man, it was, what was she would have been like 20 at this time? You know, Yee Hulk? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Um, no, anyway. but no, no love stories for Patrick McGowan, though. He That's right. Well, it would have been that guy from Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Yes, yeah, so you, you just wake up next to Leo McKern. Like, <laughs> darling, I had to. <laughs> that would be great ending. Anyway, New Heart, not my favorite show. Great show, but not my favorite. Yeah. Um, we mentioned MASH. MASH finale is pretty epic, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. it's great, but it's, they just leave, you know? That's how it ends. Mean, Cheers finale is pretty solid. Yeah. So, okay, I've been prefacing, like, let, let's, let's go for the best two and where does Fallout rank? I, Man, I guess new. I think New Art Maya just jumped in. I was gonna say all good things from TNG is being the best, but New Heart just is so perfect with that. Yeah, I think New Heart's better, but like, like I named a bunch of really controversial ones that I said I loved. So it's like maybe I, maybe I like this type of ending more than yeah. Than I'm gonna I'm gonna notch this in pretty much right under I think TNG and New Heart because there isn't like like you said so ambiguous. It's not even like there's. I forgot what happened at the end of this, and I've seen it before, but it's that, I guess that's where I like the execution more than you did. So I like the execution. So it's it's kind of like by the skin of its teeth becomes like a good finale. Well, that's the thing is that even if I say I didn't like the execution all that much, I still like the ending enough that I feel good about the series as a whole and i feel good about the episode as an ending especially if you combine it with my favorite episode once upon a time which you really they go together they yeah Yeah. you should not you would not watch them as as a duo that does help and hey that's the two-part finale for a 17 episode series that's true yeah what i mean how how long is all good things is that like like an hour and a half i think yeah it's a two for episode yeah um yeah no the um this uh, if you put those two episodes together that's my favorite episode like the fallout would not drag down once upon a time okay they they need each other for sure so i think we should treat it that way um i guess we need to wind this one down any any final thoughts uh don't get imprisonated Mm, right (laughs) so as for this podcast we're definitely gonna do another chat on the prisoner puzzle which is the interview with patrick mcguin the playlist he has has a behind the scenes so maybe we'll also have a view at that and um maybe i don't know there's we might do some other stuff we'll see so so keep 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 this in your rsv there's a few more things showing up because it never ends that's that's the point you're always in prison okay uh listener can you and you're also number with, one. Lead us out with some some um, crass commercialism. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them drones, them. I said the drones, them drones, the, the drones, them Buy drones. Some drones, dry drones. Okay, <laughs> crass commercialism. Um, I don't know. Send the money to the BBC. They made this cool series. Mm. I was trying to get crass. you to plug us. Do the plug. Oh, okay. Plug. <laughs> How about a crassly plug us? Uh find us at patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius where you can send money to us monthly. Digitally. You get bonus content. It's really cool. You can hear us like say things wrong and bad even more than on the main feed. Um check out films and filth, the citizen cane of podcasting. We're going over two hundred movies. For most of the rest of our lives, uh, check out Luke Loves Pokemon, where Luke goes over all the Pokemon. Check out Game Game Show, game show about games. Check out what is it, the Ocarina of Stuff? What is it, Zelda Hyrule, podcast? Hyrule Field Report. Hyrule Field Report for stuff 
about, about that. Zelda. Hmm. Um, check out the Time Enough podcast for Twilight Zone. We're on uh, season three right now. Probably when you hear this, it'll be very close to the end of season three. Nope. Um, no? Okay. It's a long season. Okay. Uh, Occult Disney podcast going over all of the Disney material that's ever with, been released. With more and more weird matchups like the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh with Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. <laughs> yes. Guess which one has more occult stuff in it? I don't know yet. Go we ahead and guess. I don't know I will bet it. you a hundred thousand fake dollars <laughs> Disney one has more occult stuff in it. Uh, <laughs> it is the occult Disney podcast. <laughs> uh, did I name everything? Did I do good? Uh, I think you got everything. Uh, I mean, I kind of zone out for that. So <laughs> Good. Um, good. Because we can't both think about it. Anyway. Uh, Fallout! Be, be seeing you. Mm-hmm.